Good evening and happy 2017 to friends of Voices of the Sacred Feminine across town and across the globe. Uh, If you're one of my new listeners, because I know from the demographics, uh, we've been picking up a lot of new folks out there. I'm your hostess, Karen Tate, uh, named one of the 13 most influential women in goddess spirituality, no doubt, I'm sure, in large part because of this show. And also, uh, they call me a wisdom keeper of the goddess spirituality movement, along with a number of other women out there doing her work. I want to thank you for taking your valuable time to be with me tonight and warmly invite you uh, to come back uh, every Wednesday night to partake of the sharing the show has to offer, a show that many of you uh, have lovingly called a treasure trove of wisdom for our time. And uh, thanks goes out to uh, the reclaiming folks out there for that little snippet called uh, Sweet Water. It uh, comes from some uh, reclaiming campfire chant music and uh, that include a lot of um, social justice uh, activist work, as you can uh, uh, tell from the lyrics. Uh, I really enjoy that. And speaking of uh, activism, wow, if you were at one of the marches this past weekend, I would love to hear from you. Uh, please Uh, send me a little snippet, uh, maybe a couple sentences telling me uh, how it felt, what you saw, uh, whatever you think might be relevant, and, um, you know, let me know if I can share it here on the air with other listeners. Uh, I've seen so many pictures. I've heard from uh, so many friends, uh, and in fact, in a few weeks, uh, after the Sister Giant event uh, that Marianne Williamson uh, is sponsoring on February 4th, uh, where Bernie Sanders and a lot of other folks uh, are going to be um, you know, involved with that, uh, we are going to have some guests on the show uh, talking about their firsthand experiences, uh, not just of the women's marches last weekend, but also um, that Sister Giant event, uh, which I think might be taking place uh, Um, in Washington, but I'm not totally sure. Uh, Anyway, that one uh, is going to be about social justice activism, but with more of a a spiritual side to it. And, uh, you know, if if you know me at all, you know I'm uh, big on reconciling our spirituality and our politics. So both of these uh, are right up my alley. Uh, And, and again, please uh, send me some snippets Uh, telling me about your experience uh, at either of these events or whatever it is you're doing. You know, if you're uh, acting as an activist in any capacity, it doesn't have to be something huge. Um, You know, uh, it's important that uh, I think we share that and inspire each other uh, because, you know, we, uh, no doubt, I think we all know that uh, we are, it's important that we're in this for the long haul. Uh, We've all been talking about the paradigm shift. We've all been talking about the new normal. Well, you know, uh, you look out there and you see all the activism that's been um, inspired. Um, You know, I think we can take this thing and win it and create the world uh, that we all believe we deserve and uh, help usher in a better quality of life for all of us. So let's be each other's uh, cheerleading squad and you know, it would it would uh, you know? I can't think of anything that would make me happier uh, than to share news of um, 
your activism, your victories, uh, your thoughts of what's going on out there. And also on another uh, uh, idea here is uh, I've had folks uh, email me and say, okay, what, what next? Um, why can't we do something once a week? Why can't we, we do something every day? Uh, maybe it's uh, write a letter to our congressperson. Maybe it's make a phone call uh, to the congressional switchboard. You know, these things don't take an, an awful lot of time, especially if it's a quick call. Um, you know, it doesn't have to involve, uh, you know, going out for a march and, you know, taking up, you know, half a day on, um, you know, on a valuable Saturday when you have a million other things to do. Um, you know, we just need to keep the pressure on uh, in all phases. And, you know, and, and just on a positive note, uh, because we, you know, need to focus on those when uh, we do get some good news out of Washington, uh, you know, in uh, one of these first early days here, uh, uh, Donald, uh, he did uh, get us out of the TPP. So uh, in spite of some of the other things I know we're very unhappy about, uh, that is one uh, bright, shining spot, uh, one less thing to worry about for now. So, um, all right, that being said, um, let me uh, tell you about our show tonight. Um, we're going back to our pagan roots a bit. Uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about politics and journalism and uh, corporate media and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, but uh, last week we had Miriam Robbins Dexter on the show, and uh, uh, we were talking about um, the Gorgons and the snake goddesses and the bird goddesses. Uh, the the wondrous uh, I'm, I'm sorry the not the wondrous the monstrous and frightful goddesses uh, that was a lot of fun uh, you seem to really like uh, us getting back to our roots and I think uh, tonight uh, we are doing a bit more of that uh, tonight I have Candace Cant with me and uh, our topic is uh, pagan academia. Um, uh, Candace is an author and a scholar, and I'm going to tell you more about her and her extensive work, but uh, we'll be talking in general about pagan academia, and, uh, and more specifically, uh, we'll talk about uh, an organization called Cherry Hill Seminary. Uh, you may or may not uh, have heard about them. Uh, we'll delve into the controversy of pagan clergy, uh, why it's controversial, if we need it, that kind of thing. Uh, Candace will also tell us about the unique offerings of Cherry Hill Seminary, old and new, uh, such as their military chaplaincy and uh, how they minister to military families and uh, their environmental leadership program and all the rest. Um, but uh, let me uh, let me start with uh, you know telling you uh, a bit more about Candace because she uh, uh, does have an incredible body of work here. Uh, she's a retired professor of history. Uh, she taught at the College of Southern Nevada in Las Vegas for 40 years. Uh, she holds a bachelor's and a master's degree in history from the University of Nevada in Las Vegas and a doctoral degree in history from North Arizona University. Her primary teaching responsibilities at uh, CSN were uh, 
U.S. History Survey courses and Nevada history. And then as she gained seniority, she was able to develop and offer more specialized courses. And she created courses like History, history of Witchcraft, Goddess Traditions, Intro to Modern Western Paganism, uh, Modern Pagan Thought. And she says her supervisors maybe raised their eyebrows, but uh, I guess they let her keep doing her thing because her enrollment figures uh, were just, uh, you know, were just out of sight. Her courses repeatedly filled to capacity. Uh, she also offered Wiccan Mysteries, the Goddess Path, uh, in their non-credit division. And she retired in 2008 uh, and was awarded uh, uh, by her colleagues the title of Emeritus. And she continues to offer classes uh, there at uh, CSN. Uh, now, in 2012, uh, she served as the Dean of Students for Cherry Hill Seminary, the leading provider of education and practical training in leadership, ministry, and personal growth in pagan and nature-based spiritualities. Her responsibilities um, there at Cherry Hill involve assisting students through application and uh, admissions process as well as participating in development and planning. Uh, meeting and working with students uh, is her delight and uh, she also offers a four-week intro to Goddess Spirituality and she's considering developing a series of four-week courses on the priestess and priestessing. Uh, Serving Cherry Hill and offering courses on goddess spirituality and paganism uh, reflect Candace's heart. Uh, Forty miles north of Las Vegas in Cactus Springs is the Temple of Goddess Spirituality dedicated to Sekhmet. Uh, the, uh, the temple's been there since 93, and she's long been a, a Sekhmet devotee uh, associated with the temple. Uh, she was initiated, croned, and ordained there, and she serves as one of the priestesses. And uh, the responsibilities of the priestess includes developing and leading rituals and all the other myriad things that priestesses do, including, no doubt, scraping candle wax off the floor. <laughs> um, and so uh, there in uh, that capacity as a priestess, um, she's worked with pagan and Wiccan groups uh, of both men and women um, in prisons in southern Nevada. Uh, she's also on the board uh, for the Sophia Center for Goddess Studies in Las Vegas. And that center has been in operation for about three years now and offers a variety of classes, workshops, red tents, uh, Saturday morning goddess gatherings. Uh, who'd have known there was so much going on, uh, you know, out there in Las Vegas in the desert, but there certainly, certainly is. Uh, so, Candace, welcome, welcome, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So, pagan academia, um, in, an interesting topic. You know, I've always wondered if my... Um, I don't want to say assessment, my, my, um, if my observations have been accurate, it's always felt like um, it, uh, pagan studies uh, were sort of all over the place. So when I learned about Cherry Hill, I felt really good because I thought, well, maybe we could start to um, 
I don't know, it just had something more solid in place where, you know, everyone was, uh, you know, where the teaching was consistent and, you know, we'd kind of be, pagans across the board could kind of be on the same page about things instead of, you know, everybody sort of learning whatever the leader of their group taught in their living rooms. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And I, I think your assessment is pretty correct there. Uh, you know, what we try to do at Cherry Hill Seminary is model our offerings after uh, seminaries of other religions. Uh, so our offerings are, are very, very consistent. They are academically rigorous. And I think that they are very, very um, fulfilling and rewarding for the people who take them. Um, I think a lot of the education that's out there now that you can find online, and, uh, you know, I'm certainly not in a position to judge, and I'm not making a judgment, but a lot does tend to be tradition-oriented, and that is definitely very needed. Uh, But what we're doing, what we're trying to do is kind of cross traditions and offer things that anybody from any tradition would find valuable. Right, right. Well, and mm-hmm. I know it's hard. Um, it's hard to find a good teacher and uh, a good solid overall um, uh, curriculum. I mean, I know a lot of people take a year and a day studies if they have a teacher, mm-hmm. you know, who's willing to commit for that period of time. But you know, that's usually sort of goddess mm-hmm. one hundred and one stuff. You know, you get introduced to the wheel of the year, maybe a few goddesses. You learn about the rituals. Uh, you know the seasonal rituals and things, um, but um, but you know that's but then some people uh, often don't go any further than that, and even that has its limitations. You know you're kind of limited by the experience and abilities of the person probably teaching in their living room, which uh, in some cases I'm, I'm sure it could be wonderful, um, but I think it ends up with pagans. Uh, you know, across the board, um, you know, the education being very spotty. You know, it's not like if you go to public school and maybe everyone in the first grade sort of all, they all learn the same thing. Um, Is that accurate or am I just totally off base? No, no, I think you're absolutely correct on that. And and a lot of the education that that is out there is, is, is what I would call how to which is also quite important. I, I wouldn't say it's not. But it, it, you, it often focuses on, on, okay, what do we do and how do we do it, and then doesn't take that next step to go to what's the theory behind it, where did this come from, and, and, um, and even a little bit further, especially people who are moving into leadership positions within pagan groups, uh, they are often called upon to serve as, well, for, for want of a better word, as a pastoral caregiver or a, a clergy, uh, you know, people who are experiencing some kind of life crisis or life trauma, and they need some help, both emotional and spiritual and mental. 
And so we try to fill that void and provide that kind of training as well. But I guess we would call compassionate care that is needed. And it's needed for solitaries as well. We know that, that many pagans now are sol- I would say most pagans now are solitaries. Uh, but every so often they do come together in community and every so often they do look around for somebody to give them some advice or some support or even just be a fond listening ear. And it's necessary to do that in a professional way, to know what you're doing so that you don't make the situation worse, so that you actually can help that individual. So in a way, it's almost like, a, um, to a certain extent, uh, kind of a life coach, um, uh, you know, but, but also um, counseling at the same time, you know, kind of that... Uh, like like the like the minister in the church on the corner would maybe offer assistance to someone in in need or a family or whatever. Right, right. If if you were say if you had say a dying relative and you wanted some assistance to get through that process, uh, if you were you know in a mainstream religion, you might pick up the phone and call your local minister. Well, if you're a pagan, who do you call? You probably right. will call whoever is the leader of your circle, coven, or grove. And we hope that that person, uh, you know, has the tools to help you through. One right. Of, uh, and, you know, and I, I've kind of functioned as a as a leader. And I know a few years ago, one of my friend's um, mother was dying. And uh, she was actually asking me for help uh, through um, texting back and forth, <laughs> which was a very different experience for me. But you never know. Somebody, you'll receive a text message and say, oh, this is happening. What do I do now? Uh, right, in fact, right. I had that just a, a couple of weeks ago, somebody who had a, a traumatic experience in their personal life, and, and she says, well, what do I do? And so you, you need to know how to respond. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, and it is important. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's so very mm-hmm. important because, uh, I, I mean, I recall in a circle of women I was uh, a member of back in the 90s, one of the women was about ready to go into surgery for a very scary operation. And she called the woman who uh, many of us sort of recognized as the leader of our congregation, so to speak, and, you know, just sort of needed some ministering, uh, so to speak, and the woman and said, oh, well, gee, when I get stuck like this, I call my rabbi. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, so, you know, so that, that, was, uh, that was very hard on the woman, you know, not, uh, mm-hmm. uh, not having someone to go to. And so the, her circle of women, you know, we kind of uh, came together around her and gave her what support we could. But, I mean, that was a great example of having someone that you know you can go to and count on uh, with, with uh, you know, with, with some training behind them too, uh, you know, to maybe mm-hmm. say the right things and set the right tone and, um, you know, maybe help somebody uh, prepare emotionally. Oh, in, indeed. Uh, you know, there's been a, a growing interest in the field of chaplaincy, um, uh, chaplaincy in the military or chaplaincy in a hospital or even chaplaincy in a prison situation. Um and uh, to this, uh, at this point, we don't have a chaplain in the military who is pagan. Um, and so, but there are a number of people who are interested in that. Um, 
And there are, of course, a number of pagans who are in the military. And pagans, like everybody else, end up in the hospital. And there are also pagans in prison and in other situations where a chaplain would be needed. Um, But if one is there in an official capacity as a chaplain, then you have to understand that you're not just going to minister to pagans. You will be ministering to people from all different religions or no religion at all. And so we also try to fill that void. Uh, that, That is something that people are interested in. It's a growing field today. Well, and that uh, brings something else to mind, um, and uh, you know, uh, and and that is, uh, I think it's so important that pagans can speak intelligently when questioned by other clergy of other faiths about our faith, you know. Um, And I would imagine after they um, have some courses at Cherry Hill Seminary, they're probably better equipped to sort of address the theological uh, similarities, differences, um, that sort of thing. Absolutely. In fact, we have a course called Apologetics, uh, which is precisely that. How do you explain your faith to somebody else? Uh, And since many pagans are also moving into the interfaith arena, uh, in fact, I serve on our interfaith board here in Southern Nevada, uh, it, it is necessary to be able to explain what we do, why we do it, what's important, what we think to other people who may or may not be able to understand it, but to try to find that area where they may well relate to what you're saying. Uh, right. We do ask all of we ask all of our our master students to take uh, courses in uh, pagan theology, for example, um, which doesn't again it's because paganism is so diverse. Uh, you can't just lump everybody together and say everybody thinks this. Um, so a course like that is going to look at, uh, you know, what, what comes out of Wiccan traditions, what comes out of God of spirituality, what comes out of Asatru, uh, what comes out of Druidry, and, and uh, sometimes looking for a common core, but not particularly trying to force a common core because it's, it may or may not be there. Um, right. We also have, we have a course called Contemporary Global Paganisms, which explores the development of paganism, modern paganism, all over the world, uh, which then helps one to be able to explain to somebody what's going on within paganism. Yeah, because, mm-hmm. well, and maybe one of the challenges of all of this, too, is the fact that these are living traditions. Um, we mm-hmm. don't all have the same, have the same book so to speak, um, and, uh, and and like you said, I mean, things can be very diverse, and while that can, you know, be a delicious stew, uh, I think sometimes um, it, uh, you know, because, you know, because we're, we're, we are so different, that uh, it, that can be problematic uh, as well, and I wonder, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've often, I've, I've had this theory, and I'll throw it out at you and, and see if it gets any traction. 
And, you know, I, I've always, uh, I've, I dream about the day that somehow pagans can, I know, you know, herding, herding cat, uh, pagans is like herding cats. I know we don't like to be, uh, to be, to be led and organized and that sort of thing. And probably that's part of the reason we're pagans. You know, we're not the conformist, uh, organized church types. But, um, but I, I, I wonder though if that's a double-edged sword, and I wonder if the fact that we do lack, say, a common creation myth. Um, uh, you know, we have some things in common, of course, but we have a lot of things that aren't in common. And does that lack of uh, similarity, especially with, a, you know, even a, a common creation story, do you think that hurts pagans from uh, becoming more, I don't know, I don't know if the word is monolithic or organized or becoming a force uh, to have a voice out, a unified voice out there in the world? Well, I think you've hit upon one of the real issues that pagans are dealing with today. As paganism is becoming more numerous and more public, um, there is this kind of push to develop the kinds of structures that one finds in other uh, more mainstream religions. But if we do that, does that actually destroy the very uniqueness and diversity of paganism itself? Um, right. We are, yes, I think we are in the process of change. And, uh, you know, 50 to 100 years ago, I, I'm not sure what paganism will look like to us. Um, I hope it retains its characteristics of diversity and freedom and spontaneity and lack of dogma, which I love. Uh, to be quite right. honest with you, if, if, if paganism became uh, highly structured and uh, hierarchical and dogmatic, I would be looking for something else myself. So, <laughs> so yeah, I know you the, the, yeah, we, we do. We're, we're people who don't like labels put on us. Uh, we don't like to, we don't think within the box. Uh, we we tend to be creative and, as I said, spontaneous. And and so we, we don't, the last thing we want to do is destroy that because that to me is the very heart and soul of what paganism is. But then on the other hand, there is still this need for some kind of compassionate support. You know, pagans are human beings and they live within this culture and they have the kinds of day-to-day experiences that, you know, they may need some help with or they have the kind of life passage experiences that they want recognized and, and some help with. So, you know, maybe maybe this will grow um, but in such a way that paganism retains its integrity. And I, I will use that word integrity because I right. think diversity is at the heart of what we do. And, you know, and this may sound like a, a no-brainer uh, question, but, um, but, but, but I kind of think it's, it's worth asking anyway, Candace, just the definition of, of pagan, you know? I mean, I, I know, there, uh, I, I, I mean, it depends on who you talk to. I mean, some people will say, oh, well, the term pagan was a term of, of uh, marginalization or disparagement that Christians applied to the heathens, you know, 
know, the non-Christians. Some people say it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's the not, you know, anyone who's not of the of the uh, Abrahamic religions. Uh, some people say it's, oh, it's the Wiccans, you know, the the, uh, you know, the people of the countryside. Um, you know, I, I know. I to me, I think paganism is just a huge umbrella. That's probably all of those things. But but what is, what's the more official? Uh, I, I guess. Uh, I, I mean, is there a definitive definition of pagan? I don't believe that there is a definitive definition of pagan. I do teach uh, on the undergraduate level. I teach introduction to modern Western paganism. And in my little lecture that uh, talks about what is paganism, uh, I give them probably 25 different definitions. Um, There is, of course, the the historic definition uh, as we look at how the word evolved, and there's not even academic consensus on that. Um, You know, I I often say that it meant uh, the people of the countryside. well, yeah, it did a bit, um, but it evolved, and at one point it may have meant something more like civilian as opposed to being in uh, the army of Christ. And at some point it, it probably referred to, um, well, in the 19th century it was referring to the people of Greece and Rome who were writing some of the classics. So um, we don't. I, I tend to think of it as an umbrella term under which one finds a variety of traditions that are nature-venerating, earth-based spirituality, that are polytheistic, and that recognize divinity in female form as well as in male form. That's a fairly general definition. And I, I think most traditions that we have probably would not disagree with it. Um, so, I, well, I don't think, thank goodness we don't have a, a pagan pope <laughs> or anything like that to say, here, here, here is the definition and this is what you must believe in order to be a pagan, I suspect that's a, probably a working definition that everybody could go with at least as a beginning. Right. Well, you know what I, mm-hmm. I, you know, and I'm sort of saying this tongue in cheek, but one thing I always find funny out here in Los Angeles when we have the big pagan events, you know, and, uh, you know, maybe it's Pagan Pride Day or it's some sort of big pagan fair, and um, oftentimes you'll have a Satanist group, and oh, and boy. I think to myself, is is isn't that sort of a cognitive disconnect? Because pagans don't really believe in Satan. Satan is kind of a, a Abrahamic religion construct. Um, so really, they would be better off down the street with the uh, you know at the Christian fair rather than at the pagan fair. Or is uh, am I am I totally wrong about that? I mean, can they fit? <laughs> Into paganism? I, I no, I think many uh, and and of course people don't really understand Satanism too. The Satanists don't actually believe in Satan, but uh, it's it is kind of upside down Christianity, uh, and much of its beliefs are are not really um, harmonious with with the beliefs, the ideas, and the practices of paganism. So I, I would be hesitant myself to group Satanists under the pagan umbrella. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where they belong, um, but I don't think it's paganism. And, and again, as I say, most people don't really understand, uh, you know, what, what Satanism is all about either. So 
it, it right, is also right, quite right. Misunder- misunderstood and misinterpreted. Yeah. Well, and, you know, one other thing that surprised me once down the road, and I don't know, mm-hmm. maybe you can educate me on this a little bit, and it might just be my limited knowledge, but um, I ran across a pagan group that did not have a goddess in their uh, cosmology, and I didn't know that there was such a thing. Um, is that an anomaly, or is have you heard of that before? I I had not. Um it, it's extremely unusual, I think. Uh, I mean, we are certainly all aware of groups that really focus on goddess um, ex- exclusively and to varying degrees, but I had not heard of one that focused exclusively on, on, a, on a male deity. That's quite yeah, interesting. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, that uh, that surprised me too, and I've been mm-hmm, trying to mm-hmm. think of what the group was called. Um, I want to say it was some sort of um, a group uh, that uh, oh that that worshipped the Norse gods, but you know you have Freya and um, mm-hmm, you know all of mm-hmm. those uh, all of those goddesses. So that makes me think, you know, maybe it um, you know it it it, it was. Maybe it wasn't the Norse gods, but or or these sort of Scandinavian groups that are are kind of, um, I, and maybe I shouldn't even say Scandinavian groups, but they were European, and it seemed like they were very much into white heritage, like Aryan hmm. pagans or something. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe it's something brand new, you know, or maybe that's just their new reconstruction or something. Well, it'd be interesting to know if uh, they simply deny the existence completely of uh, a, a feminine divine, or if they say um, we don't deny the goddess, but we're focusing on the male god. Uh, which, right. Uh, I mean, there are there are goddess groups who are kind of like that. We are not denying the masculine deities. But we're focusing on the goddess, so right. uh, so it'd be interesting right. to know what what their approach was. And I, I also I wanted to mention that that I've also run into people who um, um, object to the use of the word pagan because it is essentially a Christian word, and uh, mm. that that we're we're using the word of the well, for lack of a better word, of the competitor. The definition of right. a competitor. I, I don't find that compelling uh, myself. I, I like the I, I like all the connotations of paganism, um, <laughs> even the connotation of the fact that we all are partying all the time. I have no problem with that. <laughs> Well, and and I think the I think the only time I have a problem with the word pagan, uh, and I've heard mm-hmm. it said before too, is because it has been a term of derision, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's a little bit hard to embrace it because it's it's had these negative uh, connotations, and I, and I mean I know when I I sat down and wrote, wrote my first book, Sacred Places of Goddess, um, and I was trying to figure out how to refer to 
goddess devotees, and I was mm-hmm. having a heck of a time with it because I wasn't sure I wanted to use pagan, and um, and everybody didn't worship Isis, so I couldn't use Iceans. Um, I, and I mm-hmm. ended up coming up with I ended up coming up with goddess advocates, you know. I <laughs> and I w- didn't really like that either, but you know, I didn't really know what to call ourselves. Yeah, and and you're right. I've struggled for a word there too. Somebody once used the word Godessians. Um, yeah, but I find that a little difficult to say. <laughs> but and and there are there are there are goddess devotees who are not necessarily pagan. Uh, they yeah. may fall more more under Judaism or uh, Christianity, or uh, just kind of outside of of any kind of label or grouping. So um, and and you do find that that. Uh, there are some parts of goddess spirituality, I think, that would would not identify themselves as pagan. Yeah, I mean, like maybe an eco-feminist mm-hmm. or something, you know, mm-hmm. or right. I could mm-hmm. see maybe mm-hmm. somebody would have a problem maybe being lumped in with Wiccans because maybe they don't self-identify as a witch. Exactly, yes. Mm-hmm. So they it, may be coming uh, from yeah, a... Go ahead. They may be coming from a different perspective altogether. So yeah, yeah. they might they might not be coming out of the Wiccan or the witch um background. That might not be right. what drew them in this direction. Right. Well well mm-hmm. let's get back to Cherry Hill Seminary. Um, you know, when I was coming up in the nineties, I don't I didn't know about Cherry Hill Seminary. I when when did they first come into being? Well, the seed that became Cherry Hill Seminary um, was planted in the early 1990s by Kirk White and Kat Chapin Bishop and Laura Wildman Hanlon. Um, Classes were conducted first by mail, and then they were brought online in 2000. Um, Cherry Hill Seminary got 501c3 tax-exempt status in 2007, and uh, we had our first working board of directors in January of 2007. Um, our current master's program was announced in July of 2009. So I guess, I mean, we have grown over over the years. I guess you could trace our beginnings to the early 1990s. Right, right. Well, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um I, uh, you know, what I will run up against when I go out into the mainstream world, uh, because I'm ordained clergy, and, you know, I have an Mm -hmm. honorary PhD, and, you know, uh, sometimes, especially if someone uh, isn't open-minded, and especially maybe if they want to be uh, divisive, you know, they'll say, uh, so, uh, you know, so what are your credentials? Where do you get your credentials from? Uh, and if you can't say a mainstream university, then suddenly they try to use that to uh, discredit you or marginalize you. Um, and so, so that is a, that is a problem, I think, uh, out in the, you know, it, let's call it the pagan world, so to speak, because we don't really have that many, um, accredited institutions, 
um, to actually go, you know, that, that are recognized out there in the world. I mean, like we have California Institute of uh, Integral Studies, CIIS. Um, mm -hmm. That hasn't been around for a real, real long time. Now we have Cherry Hill Seminary. I mean, I know I got my credentials through Reform Congregation of the Goddess. I mean, it was a four-year, pretty intensive program. I think at the time, probably the most, most thorough thing out there. Um, you know, so how do how do we handle that? I mean, because you can be uh, well, you can be self-taught, you can be an independent scholar, but it's hard to uh, stand toe-to-toe -to -toe credential-wise, I think, with someone who's maybe gone to an accredited college and and uh, and um, you know, not not feel marginalized. Well, and I think that is the. Um one of the gaps that Cherry Hill Seminary would like to help fill uh, to provide that kind of education, that kind of credentials, so that people who are in the public, as you are, uh, or who are working in an interfaith situation or in a hospital or uh, something like that, uh, will be able to say, yes, I, I, am, I am credentialed. This is, this is where I got my, my education. Um, So Cherry Hill, um, or, or are they like an accredited university? Or um, I, I don't, I don't know what the right terminology is. So you have to help me a little bit. Exactly. We are not accredited yet. We are working towards accreditation. Uh, we expect to apply for it in the future from the Distance Education and Training Council, which is a nonprofit educational accreditation agency in the U.S that does specialize in the accreditation of distance education institutions. Uh, the accreditation process is quite expensive. Um, and uh, we, we wanted to keep our tuition low so that it is accessible to people. So, you know, we continually walk that line of, gee, we would like to be able to to go, uh, you know, dive into the accreditation. But on the other hand, if we did that, we would have to raise our tuition. Uh, we would have to right. get the money from somewhere. So if there's any wealthy donors out there who would like to help us, I, I will just mention that, that we would be delighted <laughs> to re to hear from you. <laughs> but that that is the situation at this point. Yes, we, we have modeled our curriculum, our programs, after uh, probably some of the most uh, rigorous seminaries, uh, religious seminaries in mainstream religions. So, so what you are getting here is really a very thorough education, a very good education. By the way, I think our students are the greatest, absolutely. So, um, all right, so now does, does I, I gather from the classes that you offer that someone can go – they don't have to sign up for, um, you know, a, uh, you know, a, a whole semester. They can just go take one course if they want, and they also don't have to be going to become pagan clergy. They can just avail themselves of, like, you have environmental leadership. Well, anyone could take that. You don't necessarily have yeah. to be uh, working toward being a being a clergy member, right? Absolutely. Uh, we we do have our master's courses, uh, and there are, or I mean master's programs, excuse me. There are one, two, three, four, five, six of them. But in addition, we offer a number of certificates, 
that are open uh, for anybody who has a, a high school degree. Uh, there's a Certificate of Lifelong Learning, a uh, Certificate of Leadership, uh, a Certificate of Community Ministry, and the new one, the Environmental Leadership. Um, and in addition, we offer um, short four-week courses. We call them Insights courses on a variety of topics. Uh, there's one coming up shortly called Per Ankh, and it's on Egyptian spirituality. It looks absolutely fascinating. Uh, we've got one on uh, preserving pagan history, a workshop on how to do oral history. As some of our, you know, founding mothers and fathers are disappearing from the scene, we'd like to be able to capture that history. Um, we offered uh, queer theology, um, and we offered self-care for pagan leaders. Boy, is that one important, I think. Yeah. And I've offered... Yeah, fair I've enough. Offered, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, self-care. I've offered Introduction to Goddess Spirituality. Uh, again, it's a, it's a short, it's a four-week course, and uh, it uh, it is an introduction. Uh, so, yeah. So, so can is someone uh, can someone actually go to Cherry Hill Seminary and end up uh, in in an ordainee of Cherry Hill? Or, no, uh, Cherry it, Hill. We do not ordain. Uh, uh, okay. We, you would uh, you would get your education and then go back to your tradition for ordination. Okay. In fact, okay. yeah, that was that was one of the issues that oh my goodness is Cherry Hill now ordaining clergy for us and, and no no we're not doing that. Well, and and you know, and just mm-hmm. the idea of pagan clergy uh, sets some people's hair on fire. I mean, I, I know sometimes I, I I've been interviewed on radio and television, and they'll say pagan clergy. What's that? You know, well, what and on they're earth is amazed. That? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're amazed yeah. to find out that we can mm-hmm. marry people and bury people, and you know, do all the life passage rituals that um, you know any clergy member. Uh, could actually do, you know, um, and it's, sometimes mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, and, and we have to be careful about the ID we have going into uh, a hospital or something to actually be able to identify ourselves as, uh, you know, as actual pagan clergy to be able to minister to people in the hospital. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, so there's a, there's a, there's a credibility bar, I think, is hard uh, you know, sometimes hard for us to um, to meet. I did want to point out that we do have, uh, it's a fairly new certificate. It's called the Community Ministry Certificate. And it is a 15-month series of classes. Uh, the classes look really interesting. Ethics, pagan history and theology basics, creating and leading ritual, things like that. And that at the end of it, when you successfully finish, you can apply for cr- clergy credentials from Sacred Well Congregation, which is a, a fairly well-known uh, group, a fairly well-known tradition. It's not Cherry Hill ordaining, but we're providing the foundation for that ordination if somebody would be interested in something like that. Yeah. Oh well, that's very good. Mm-hmm. That's very mm-hmm. good. Now, mm-hmm. and now, yeah. uh, just to, just just to make sure I understand that this is not like a brick and mortar um, building somewhere. This is strictly online classes. 
This is all online. All of the classes are offered online. We have uh, we have just created a self-paced uh, study or program, and you can find that on the on the website. But most of the classes are in a firm semester. Um, they uh, and by the way, most of our students are part-time students because they are working. They have full-time lives and careers. And so most of our students, you don't have to take a full semester load. In fact, as the dean of students, I would advise you not to. <laughs> I would advise you to try one to two classes and see how that works with your, with your time. We do okay. have, uh, once a year or so, uh, we do have what we call intensives. Uh, and the intensives are, are four to seven day uh, study opportunities where the student has an opportunity to work with the faculty and other students face-to-face -face in a retreat setting. Um, we've, uh, the last one we had was actually in Butler, Missouri, which was fascinating. Uh, we are thinking of one and hope to plan one for the spring of 2018 here in Las Vegas. Uh, and that would focus on ritual. So we've also had, we're, th we're uh, planning a webinar uh, on the topic of pagan clergy. Um, and so stay tuned for that. Uh, check out our website. There will be information about that on the website. And the website is www.cherryhillseminary.org. Remember, it's just um, one hill. <laughs> One Hill. <laughs> One um, Hill. So Cherry Hill Seminary. <laughs> Cherry Hill. Um, so, Candace, what does a class look like? I mean, like if you go online for a class, is it similar, similarly, similar like if you go have uh, attended one of these go-to-meeting things on, uh, on the web where it's sort of interactive and they show slides and, uh, you know, there's a chat box over on the side. And, I mean, is it something like that or is it just you go, you go online and, and you get your reading assigned? Assignments and and you um, you know you, you you do your homework. Um, I mean, is it? I, I guess I'm just wondering. Um, you know, uh, what does it what does it look like, or does it vary? <laughs> well, I have to confess, I've I've never done one of the go to meeting uh, uh, seminars, uh, but I have taught on um, uh, Canvas, which is an online platform, and Cherry Hill Seminary uses Moodle which is an online platform. Uh, so when you go into what we call the classroom, uh, you, you will have, you know, for each week, you'll have uh, your, your, your assigned reading. Uh, there will probably be a forum that you will post in and other students will post in, and then you would respond to their post. And then most of our classes do have a Skype component so that we meet either weekly or every two weeks by Skype and for about an hour and talk about, you know, whatever topic has been assigned or what, what, whatever the, the um, area of conversation would be. And uh, I think the Skype meetings are really important. Uh, I have taught online for the college that I retired from, and they don't have anything like that. Uh, and consequently, the students tend to learn in a vacuum. Uh, or well, in, in isolation, I guess that's a better word. But when we with Cherry Hill with the Skype thing, we get to see the teacher, see the other students, have a conversation, 
And it just really makes it so much more personal and so much more meaningful, in my opinion. And, you know, I thought Skype mm-hmm. was just one-on-one. I didn't think a group could be on Skype at the same time, like a Google Hangout or something. You, um, you, you can't. Yes, you can do it on Skype. Some of our instructors prefer the Google Hangout. Um, but I think right now most of them are probably using Skype. Okay, well, that's good to know uh, yeah. because our, yeah. for any, mm-hmm. any of us who were teaching online uh, to know mm-hmm. that you can actually do a group gathering on Skype, I, I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know a, a conference. Mm-hmm. It's like a conference call, um, a, uh, you know, it's a, a video conference call in a sense. Ab- um, absolutely. Well, now, and so, go and ahead. you can see everybody else too. It's, it's like a conference call, but you get to see everybody. Right, right, right. And mm-hmm. so now um, Cherry Hill is also uh, working with incarcerated individuals. Did you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, we are. Uh, several years ago, uh, we developed a series of eight courses. They are, this is more like a correspondence course, like a, the old-fashioned where you mail it in, mail it out, because people who are incarcerated in uh, correctional institutions do not have access to computers or the Internet. Um, But of the calls and the contacts that we got, it was amazing how many came from people who were incarcerated. And so we felt like we really needed to somehow fill that need. Uh, So we have the the eight courses and... um, uh, uh, they kind of are an introduction to paganism, um, and they seem to have gone over quite well. Uh, it's called the Pagan Life Academy. Um, and we use the term incarcerated in a very general sense. You know, there are people who may not be incarcerated in a correctional institution, but incarcerated, say, in a um, um a skilled nursing facility or something like that, where they, they would not have mm-hmm. access to to the Internet or wouldn't possibly would not be able to do the Internet. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. And, and you know, and, and I, I, I feel for these uh, incarcerated people, and, 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 and what I'm talking about right now, I'm talking about actual prisoners. Um, I can't uh-huh. tell you in the, in the course of a year how many letters I will get. Somehow they find me, and they, mm-hmm. you know, and they're literally begging you to teach them, you know, or send yes. them materials. And it's very difficult difficult because each prison has its own rules and you can't just send Mm -hmm. them a book uh, because apparently, you know, there's a way to, uh, I don't know how they do it, but they can uh, put LSD or things on pages and it, you know, Mm. people have figured, figured out a way to send drugs on the pages of books. Um, So you have in some... And some chaplains, you know, want to look at the materials, and if they don't approve it, then it doesn't ever get there, so you don't know if what you sent is even going to reach them. So I would imagine maybe uh, it, it, it's easier for somebody like Cherry Hill Seminary to um, look more legitimate and maybe get their materials uh, through to a prisoner than maybe an individual uh, like like me or some other priest or priestess out there that's just trying to help the incarcerated. 
Yes, we we che- we checked on you know requirements of of several different institutions. Uh, each one is different. Each state is going to differ. But generally, an inmate's mail is opened and inspected before they get it, and there is a restriction on the number of pages that can be sent in a letter and so forth. So we tried to package these classes so that they would meet the most rigorous of of requirements and so they would actually get to the inmate. Uh, I I have worked with people in um, prisons here, uh, both the women's prison and two different men's prisons, and and I have to say that uh, the people there are so very sincere about learning. Um, Almost everyone that I've worked with was not pagan when they committed whatever it was that got them in there, but they came to paganism inside, and um, and and they are just hungry for knowledge. So I think this is one of the one, most wonderful things that Cherry Hill Seminary has done, is to try to fulfill that need. Okay. Um, well, mm-hmm. Candice, um, uh, I think that, you know, you've been, uh, you know, very thorough. Um, is there anything I haven't thought to ask about uh, Cherry Hill or pagan academia in general you think, um, you know, warrants uh, us delving into a bit? Well, I, I would just encourage everybody to, to take a look at our website, Um there are some free resources for people there. One of the nicest ones is a PowerPoint uh, that's called Don't Look Away, and it's about sexual abuse, how to recognize the signs, and what to do about it. Uh, and from time to time, we have other kinds of free uh, resources on mental health, on uh, PTSD, on people who may be considering suicide, on substance abuse. Uh, so we do try to provide that as well. Well, it sounds like you're really fulfilling, um, mm-hmm. you know, important needs for the community. Um, you know, and, and I and and it makes me feel so good because I feel like um, it's like paganism all grown up, if you know what I mean. You know, um, <laughs> you know, because you know, here you here we're taking on um, subjects that are really life challenges. You know, because I mean, look, you know as well as I do, you know. Uh, sometimes, you know, people come to paganism and they never get beyond what color candle they use on their altar, you know. Um, And and it's all about love spells or money spells. And, uh, and, but, you know, this is, um, you know, this is serious life stuff. It is. It is. And I I love that phrase that you just said, paganism all grown up. May I use it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes, and and you know, as a matter of fact, that's kind of the tagline I've been using with the mm-hmm. new anthology, Goddess 2.0, uh, you know, because uh-huh. I've felt, you know, as I would go out into the world, that um, what I was hungry for and I wasn't seeing enough of, you know, unless you're talking about, I don't know, you know, a Patrick McCullum or a Starhawk or like you folks at Cherry Hill, you mm-hmm. know, I would run, in, I, too often I would run into, to the people that, you know, never get to the, you know, eco-feminism or never get to the social justice activism or never get to mm-hmm. the, um, you know, some of the things that you're doing, you know, there. And it mm-hmm. just makes mm-hmm. me feel hopeful 
um, you know, that, that one day down the road, um, you know, paganism will be uh, looked at as uh, viable. And, I mean, look, remember George Bush didn't even know it was a real religion, you know? Oh, my goodness, um, yes. I, remember that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I'm so glad we're, um, you know, we're helping the community round itself out. Uh, and you know, with uh, you know, with with these important topics from from a goddess pagan perspective. Yes, thank you. I I I just feel so very good about working with Cherry Hill Seminary. Um, as I said, it really appeals to my heart. Well, I, I'm I'm so glad to know you're out there, and if there's ever anything mm-hmm. I can do to, you know, help you support any of your stuff, if you have any, you know, big events coming up or any big pushes you have to do to get the word out, uh, please uh, please remember I'm here, and you know I'm happy to do some commercials for you or uh, or anything like that if you think it would be at all useful. Well, thank you. I really really appreciate that. And we will take advantage right. of that, believe me. <laughs> okay, well, I'm I'm happy to do it. I really am. Um, mm-hmm. Well, Candace, um, thank you so very much uh, for all the work you're doing out there. And, um, you know, best of luck uh, with, uh, with Cherry Hill Seminary. Well, thank you so much. It was so fun to talk with you. What a, what a great way to okay. spend an hour. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so I bet you didn't know all that about Cherry Hill Seminary, and uh, I know so many of you, um, you know, want a a place to uh, get an education about all of this, and, uh, you know, maybe a lot of you don't have anything like this in your hometown, and now you can just go to Cherry Hill Seminary, and uh, they have a, a big variety of, uh, of classes that you can avail yourself of there. Uh, and remember, you don't have to sign up for a whole, you know, take a whole semester load of classes. You can take one class at a time, uh, and there's lots of free stuff. Uh, so you should go check them out. Um, you know, try them out, and uh, who knows, you might, uh, you know, might end up in a master's uh, program some, somewhere down the road. So um, I just wanted to uh, share with you a little uh, uh, sharing here from Joe Carson. So uh, uh, sit back with your glass of wine or your cup of tea and uh, give a listen. Most people see humankind as really separate from nature and separate from the earth. I'm as much of this earth as a rock or a tree. And I came out of it. This is my mother's planet. I grew out of this earth. As long as we conceive of divinity as above us or outside of us, or that our bodies are somehow less divine than spirit, there's no way that we can change our course. Well, that was the trailer for Dancing with Gaia, Joe Carson's feature-length documentary film. Uh, In it, she interviews 15 visionaries and teachers about earth energy, sacred sexuality, and the return of the goddess as Gaia. 
Joe traveled to ancient sacred sites all over Europe and the Mediterranean to shoot this film and the spiritual sites uh, ranging from northern Scotland to central Turkey profoundly affected the origins of Western culture. So if you've always wanted to see these yourself but haven't or you don't think it's likely you're going to get there, this is an opportunity to experience some of the best ones and get their story. The DVD comes packaged with a 45-page color mini-book, which goes even deeper into the material. Uh, you can buy the DVD and booklet for only $20 at the website dancingwithgaia.com. And um, I wanted to uh, tell you a little bit about uh, Goddess Spirituality All Grown Up, as uh, I was saying with Candace. Uh, I wanted to just chat a little bit about my new anthology that's out. Uh, it came out right before Christmas, and some of you may have seen the cover. I've been sharing it around Facebook, and uh, if you're on my email list. And uh, this is uh, my fifth book, my second anthology, and it's called Goddess 2.0, Advancing a New Path Forward. And um, that's what uh, I believe I, I tried to do with this anthology, um, uh, try to get across how goddess spirituality is uh, beginning to be uh, all grown up and you know we get beyond uh, Wicca or Goddess 101 we get beyond the wheel of the year we get beyond just learning about the goddesses and their pantheons and you know what their colors are or their uh, their avatar or sacred animal is uh, and you know what what her favorite foods are or, you know how to do magic and ritual you know it's about how goddess spirituality is actually relevant in the world and helps us become better people and um, how the values and benchmarks of goddess spirituality can actually, um, you know, make the world a better place. You know, dare I say, save the world. And uh, this anthology, uh, the contributors include Carol Christ, Rianne Eisler, Ann Baring, Starhawk, Barbara Walker, Christina Biaggi, uh, Liz and Robert Fisher, um, Bob Graytrix, um, hailing from uh, Las Vegas area. We were just talking about uh, Candace uh, and uh, all of her work out there in Las Vegas. I'd be willing to bet she probably knows Bob Graytrix. Uh, Shirley Ann Rank, uh, Patricia Ilona, Nancy Vetter Schultz, Isadora Forrest, myself, uh, Amy Peck of the Goddess Studio in Escondido, Linda Isles of the Fellowship of Isis, Andrew Gervich, uh, Charlotte Cressy, Delphine Damore, Tabby Biddle, Trista Hendren, Harita Mani. And, uh, you know, there are lots of topics in here. Uh, we talk about uh, abortion, health care, uh, caring economics, um, you know, goddess-based um, uh, I mean, feminist theology is a new religion, goddess-based morality of women's health. Um, you know, we talk about becoming the priest or priestess uh, of ISIS, uh, building bridges uh, between uh, Christians and Muslims and uh, in Gadissians. Um, a lot of really great stuff. Uh, Rianne Eisler has what's good for women is good for the world. Uh, I have uh, an essay in here that uh, parallels the talk I gave at the Council for the Parliament of World Religions, uh, reawakening our earliest sacred stories. 
stories talking about how important mythology is and how it shapes our culture and uh, you know, which means it's so important that we rethink and reinterpret and reclaim goddess spirituality. Um, there's an article in here about Columbia, America's forgotten goddess. Uh, you know, Columbia that sits atop um, the Congressional Dome. Um, Charlotte Cressy writes about uh, veganism, the most powerful antidote to the dominator paradigm. Um, Starhawk writes about economics of goddess spirituality and uh, interconnection and social justice. Uh, there's articles about women in politics. So, you know, these aren't, um, uh, you know, maybe necessarily topics that you would immediately associate with goddess. But um, that's the whole point, isn't it? This is about goddess spirituality all grown up. And I'll just read you the synopsis on the back cover. Um, it says, you're not alone if you believe domination and authoritarian patriarchy are destroying countless lives in our planet. There is a more sustainable alternative, and it's not new. In fact, it's ancient. Exiled for a time but making a return, the sacred feminine has become indelibly integrated into our lives, reminding humanity during this time of crisis that the ideals of the great she offer a pathway to secure a more sustainable future. As people lose faith and organize religion, as the paradigm of power shifts across the globe, as climate change quickly approaches a point of no return, people are leading using their divine intelligence, glean from goddess teachings to find solutions and sanctuary. We are witnessing this awakening across the globe as people from all walks of life and cultures turn to goddess, deity, archetype, and ideal to evolve from the malignant chaos we face today. Using the wisdom and activism suggested in Goddess 2.0, advancing a new path forward, we see through the lens of spiritual, cultural, and political leaders sharing the ways uh, the many ways goddess spirituality has grown and matured in the minds of her advocates to inspire the birth of a new world and usher in a time of security, partnership, peace, equality, and prosperity for all. And, um, yeah, so I would just encourage you, if that sounds like something you're interested in, uh, please contact me. I would love to send you a book. Uh, right now, I can actually sell them uh, cheaper than uh, they, they're they selling them on Amazon. So, um, yeah, uh, so take advantage of that uh, if, you, if you would. Uh, you can actually get, uh, if you're in the United States, uh, this doesn't apply to my dear listeners and friends, uh, um, you know, who aren't uh, in the continental United States. But if you are in the United States, uh, you can get a signed copy for $18, which includes shipping and handling. And uh, you can just go to my paypal.me backslash Karen Tate, paypal.me backslash Karen Tate, um, and uh, you can uh, order a book there, and I will be happy to send it to you. Uh, or if that's too confusing, just go to my KarenTate.com page, go to the um, Goddess Store page there, click on it, and you will find um, lots of uh, book bundles that I have available there, uh, including this new book and some great prices, discounted prices on old books, and uh, take advantage of it. Uh, 
Yeah, so uh, do that for me. Uh, I'd really appreciate uh, uh, the support of my work and, uh, you know, that sort of thing uh, helps me keep doing what I'm doing. Well, I think that about... uh, that about does it for tonight. Uh, I hope you'll be back with me next Wednesday. Can you believe it is already uh, just about the end of January? And uh, before you know it here, uh, next week, I believe, is already going to be February. It's going to be Valentine's Day here before we know it. And uh, that said, uh, if you're in the Southern California area, uh, on Saturday night, uh, February 18th, uh, I am having a big uh, extravaganza uh, at the Goddess Temple Museum of Woman uh, to launch uh, the book, uh, Goddess 2.0. And uh, I would invite you to come. It's totally free. Uh, we're going to have uh, some uh, mini ritual and raffles and uh, revelry and fun Uh you know, some great sharing, and uh, I think you will really enjoy yourself. You know, come out and meet other like-minded uh, women and men. Uh, maybe you'll buy a few books. That would be great, too. So keep that in mind. Uh, also, this weekend coming up, if, uh, it, again, if you're in the Southern California area, uh, the Pagan Conference is at uh, Claremont University. Um, it's only $55 for uh, two days of, uh, of wonderful sharing. The theme this year is Visioning the Pagan Community. I'm giving my talk on Saturday called uh, Spiritual Courage, Caring Economics and Partnership as an Antidote to Domination. And I'll be talking about uh, Goddess Spirituality All Grown Up, how these ideas of spiritual courage and partnership and caring economics or ideals of the sacred feminine, and uh, uh, that's what I would like to see um, you know, in the pagan community, those sorts of teachings and practices um, you know, uh, moving forward uh, in the world as we push push uh you know push humanity uh to that uh new normal that paradigm shift uh that uh we all want um you know for a better quality of life for all of us so uh that about does it uh, dear listeners uh i want to thank you uh for tuning in and i so liked that um a uh, song opening the show tonight by Reclaiming uh, called Sweet Water. Uh, it is, an, uh, as I said, a song of activism, and uh, I believe we will all be um, uh, into a lot of activism in the in the coming years. I think we have the perfect opportunity, the f- perfect motivation, uh, you know, to get ourselves activated. Um, so anyway, this this could be your theme song. Uh, so listen closely to the words, and uh, please enjoy this from Reclaiming. And I thank them very much for allowing me to use this uh, this music on the show. So this is uh, Reclaiming's Campfire Songs, and this particular snippet is called Sweet Water. Um, stay warm out there. Stay dry out there. Stay strong out there. Good night, dear listeners. Thank you.